Oh boy, we are coming down to it. Three games this weekend between top 20 teams, regular season championships on the line. And Andy, we are just two weeks away from Selection Sunday. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, welcome into the Locked on College Basketball Podcast, the only daily year-round national college hoop show. We are your hosts, Isaac Shea. This is my guy, Andy Patton, and we want to thank you for hopping in with us. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, folks, literally right before we hopped on, Kermit Davis was fired by Ole Miss. Don't get all fat and happy. Rick Pitino is not moving to Mississippi. (laughs) Don't worry about that. We'll have more on that next week as names start emerging. Uh, Had a massive comeback for um, Illinois last night at home over Northwestern. Big stuff there. But today, we got to spend all our time getting ready for this big, big weekend of college basketball Things are getting bubbly all over the place. We've got some non-bubble games. But, Andy, we have three games between top 20 opponents, starting with a game in the Big 12 between two top 10 opponents, number 8 Texas at number 9 Baylor, 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Uh, Ken Palm has this game, Bears by two. And, Andy, here's where we're going to start with this, is is Big 12 standings are on the line in a big way right Mm -hmm. now. Texas and Kansas are tied atop the league standings with Baylor and Kansas State two games back. So in this one, Texas is essentially just trying to keep pace with Kansas because the Jayhawks, uh, with all due respect to Bob Huggins, get West Virginia at home Mm -hmm. on Saturday. So Kansas is going to get another win. Is Texas going to be able to do the same? That's what we're looking at. What do you think? Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting game. I think we've seen Baylor uh, kind of go through a lot of ups and downs this year they had a losing streak early in big 12 play it was kind of like oh we worried about baylor then they rattled off a whole bunch of games in a row uh got swept by kansas state uh that was a tough one jerome tang literally jumping on the table and celebrating after beating his old school uh tough to see i imagine for baylor fans as much as there's a high level of respect for tang and what he has done at Kansas State, uh, an interesting aspect, and listen to Locked On Baylor, Drake Toll, uh, the host over there, he talked about this in, in really good detail on a recent episode. Baylor's not getting any production offensively from their front court, almost none. And Texas, that's not really their MO. They don't have, you know, one of the big off, low post offensive scores the way that a lot of other teams do. So it'll be kind of interesting to see. It's more of a matchup of, of backcourts, obviously, Baylor, Adam Flagler, LJ Cryer, Keontae George, about as good, if not as good as it gets in terms of a trio of guards uh, in the conference or in really the entire NCAA. But Texas has got a really fantastic group of guards as well. It'll be interesting to see if either team can find a way to kind of exploit mismatches down on the block because neither team really has a low post presence. But I think whatever team can can gobble up more rebounds, can score more around the rim, get more second chance points. Those are the kind of things that I think could make a really big impact in in what's a, a monumentally huge game, not just for the Big 12 standings, but for NCAA tournament seeding as well. Yeah, I'm with you. I I see a world in which these backcourts, like on one hand, I want to say that that's the key to this game, but they could Mm -hmm. actually kind of offset each other, right? And and so something I'm curious about, 
Jonathan Chamwachachua has been working his way back, but has been coming off the bench. Like, is this a moment for Scott Drew? And he's like, yeah. all right, it's time. Are we going to see him come back into the starting lineup uh, and and relegating Flo Thamba to coming off the bench? Maybe mm-hmm. because in, in a world where we need more production from our front court, I know somebody who can give that. Yeah. And right now he's coming off the bench. So that's something to keep an eye on, certainly. Mm-hmm. For me, one of the biggest issues with Baylor is their defense. Yeah. That offense right now is number two in Ken Palm efficiency. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the hanging on inside the top 100 and so that that could be the achilles heel for baylor not just in this game but going forward so if they can get a little more resistance with their defense especially there at home in waco that could be big time to get this win over texas now you talked about the the ncaa tournament side of it all well go going forward we look at these top four teams all separated by just two games it's Texas that has by far the most difficult road on paper. Yeah. Um, they've, they've got this game at Baylor, then they're at TCU, and then they wrap up at home against Kansas. Um, whereas you look at the other teams, Baylor's is pretty tough. This game at home against Texas, um, at Oklahoma State, and then at home against Iowa State. But mm-hmm. Kansas, the Kansas schools, I mean, it's almost fluff as fluff yeah. Big 12 schedules get. Kansas. Right host West Virginia, host Texas Tech, and then is at uh, Texas, and then Kansas State at Oklahoma State versus Oklahoma, and then at West Virginia. So K-State has the easiest schedule of these top four. Um, And so that's going to be interesting. But in in terms of these two teams in this game, Baylor and Texas, when we got that top 16 reveal last week, Texas was fifth in in the overall S-curve with Baylor seventh. That meant that they're both two seeds, but that Texas got that coveted Kansas City regional yep. while Baylor was shipped off to Louisville. And so, like, those, it's not just Big 12 seeding. It's these kind of things that are in play in this one as well. Absolutely. It'll be really interesting to see if, if Baylor can – can kind of keep that momentum, get another win here and, and potentially move themselves into a much more desirable position for the NCAA tournament, because, you know, Baylor's defense right now at 94th in Ken Palm, that doesn't look like the recipe to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Quite honestly, it doesn't. I think you look at, I think the studies have said that you have to be a top 40 team offensively and a top 25 team defensively. Every team that has ever won an NCAA tournament in the Ken Palm era has been in those two categories. Top 25 defensively, top 40 offensively. Now, I don't know off the top of my head if those numbers are calculated before the NCAA tournament or afterwards, which is a pretty significant factor. Regardless, Baylor is well outside of that. So if they can't figure out a way to improve defensively, uh, they're going to have a serious issue. But finding a way to get a better seed, maybe get a more desirable draw, at least can get you maybe easier path to Sweet 16 from there. Maybe you can pick off a few games and, and, and turn the season around a little bit. That would be the hope, certainly. Well, Andy, uh, again, Ken Palm has this game. Baylor by two. Texas won the last game in Austin, 76-71. The Bears come in on this two-game losing streak, albeit both on the road, but they do need to get right, kind of get things back turned around. What are you going with, Andy? Are we are we hooking them, or you got some Bears? 
I, you know, I think, I think Texas is going to take this one. I, I think Texas is they, their, the guard play has been so good. Obviously that's true in both situations. We haven't seen Baylor make very good adjustments. They had a 33 point swing in that game against Kansas earlier. I think wasn't quite as dramatic of a swing against Kansas state, but they were still winning at halftime, still ended up losing by double digits in that one. Uh, Scott Drew's got to find ways to make adjustments. We haven't seen him do that the last few games. If he does not do that against Rodney Terry and the Longhorns, I think they're going to pull off a victory there. I'm right with you. At this point, for me, it's not, will Rodney Terry get this job? It's how long will the contract be and how much Mm -hmm. will it be worth? And to that point, I think Texas is going to take this one as well. What I love about this Longhorns team is that there's just about any guy that can be the dude in any mm-hmm. given game. It was uh, Jabari Rice yeah. the last time they played. I mean, it could be Tyrese Hunter. It could, mm-hmm. you know, whomever. And so yeah. um, I'm looking, I, I like that unpredictability out yeah. of the Longhorns. And I think that that uh, front court overcomes mm-hmm. Baylor's, whether it's Thamba or Ch- Chamwa Chachua. Mm-hmm. And we are going to see Texas going back to Austin with a win and keeping pace with Kansas in the Big 12 standings. Well, college game day is not going to be in Waco this week, despite the epic matchup there. It's not going to be in Indiana for the Indiana-Purdue game. It's going to Spokane, Washington to watch the Zags take on the St. Mary's Gales top 20, top 15 matchup between these two teams. Going to be a really, really fun one in Spokane. We're going to break that down coming up right after a message from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The midday point, midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like Gonzaga to score more points than St. Mary's is projected to give up on Saturday night. Maybe you like something about the Indiana-Purdue game to bet on there. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Isaac, Zags Gales, Spokane, Washington, college game day. Jay Billis is in the house. He's finally, hopefully, going to do his 94-foot walk with Drew Timmy. I don't know if you followed this story at all, but Drew Timmy called Jay, Jay Billis out on his Gimme Timmy podcast, said, hey, Jay, why haven't we ever done a 94-foot walk together? Uh, so I'm hoping that they'll get a chance to do that. But it is going to be an absolutely raucous environment in Spokane. Just to be a turd, I hope Billis. I hope Billis like takes the other four. St- like I want to see Rasheer Bolton and Strother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go take Drew and Strother instead. He's over there on the bench like this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's he's gonna let him hear it if that ends up being the case for this one. Uh, this is a really really fun matchup, Isaac, between two fantastic teams and two really different styles of teams i think that's my favorite aspect of this matchup pretty much every time these two teams plays you got mark few you got randy bennett they've both been in the wcc for 20 plus years gonzaga's gotten all the attention but st mary's has been a dang good basketball team for a really long time they play a slow methodical virginia style with (laughs) 29 seconds on the shot clock you know really slow pace really good defensive team Gonzaga is go, go, go. They've always been that way. They're a little slower this year just because they don't have uh, as consistent of outlet passers, out, as consistent of, of point guards to kind of get the ball moving out in transition. But a really unique matchup. And last time it was it was all you could ask for. 
It was all that you could have asked for between these two teams last time. Gonzaga jumped out to an early lead, kind of looked like they were coasting for a while. Aiden Mahaney, star freshman point guard for the Gales, absolutely took over. And uh, Thursday's game between the Zags and San Diego, the announcers, Dave Fleming and Dan Dickow, were describing that performance as perhaps the single most critical and important and really best individual six-minute stretch of basketball that any player has played this year. That was a pretty, pretty intense statement but in, <laughs> in a lot of ways it's arguably true to win a rivalry game like that to take over first place in the standings in the WCC a conference that St. Mary's struggles to win because of the presence of Gonzaga it was a really really nice performance from him and you can bet more than anything in the world that Aiden Mahaney a kid who grew up five minutes from Moraga California who's wanted to beat Gonzaga his whole life he gets to go to Spokane on college game day he is going to be locked and loaded I'm excited about this matchup, Isaac. I'm curious what you think about how this thing might shake out on Saturday night. Interestingly for me, I, I think the, the, the Mahaney of it is kind of like, yeah, let that happen. Mm-hmm. For me, it's it's more about Logan Johnson, who mm-hmm. did not have a good game last time. Like no, he He's got to step up for Randy Bennett and the Gales. I, I think it's more about Mitchell Saxon and, and mm-hmm. what he can do in the post. And so if you know, let's assume Mahaney is not going to have the 35 minutes of not great basketball or not, you know, his usual level of basketball that he did last time. Let's assume that he's getting his and Drew Timmy's getting his for, for the Gales. I think it's, it's chiefly about Logan Johnson and -hmm. chiefly about Mitchell Saxon and how they do. And I I also want to thank St. Mary's, by the way, I forgot to say this for after they beat Gonzaga, dropping their next game at LMU so that it could set up this wonderful matchup for the regular season WCC conference championship. So, so thank you LMU for what you did to help us Mm -hmm. all out in this, but um, yeah, it is those two guys that I think help determine things. Uh, You know, Logan Johnson being the the upperclassman there and um, Mm -hmm. somebody who brings that experience into just, I mean, good luck going into the kennel with game day there with yeah. Jay Billis in the house, right? Like they're, they're going to have to be ready and dialed in if they're going to have a, because I could see a world in which we get all this buildup and then Gonzaga just boat races yeah. St. Mary's in this one. Yeah, absolutely. That's what they did to to LMU, quite honestly. LMU, not the same caliber of team as St. Mary's. I'm not going to pretend that they are. Shout out Cam Shelton, though. Fantastic player for the Lions. Uh, had a really nice game against Gonzaga. I think he had 27. The first time they, these two teams met, he had over 30 against St. Mary's in that game. But the thing that really stands out to me about St. Mary's right now is the play of Logan Johnson. You mentioned him, obviously, as a key part. He had 12 points on 4 of 14 shooting the last time these two teams played. Since then, Isaac... Do you want to know what he's done in his last Tell five me. games? Tell me, Andy Here's what Patton. he's done. 31 points in 43 minutes against LMU on 12 of 20 shooting. Next game was at Portland, 34 points on 11 of 18 shooting in that one. Then he had a dud at San Diego. He only had three points in that one. Granted, he only took three shots. He also had eight rebounds. So, you know, you can stomach that. Next game, 27 points in 40 minutes against BYU on 12 of 19 shooting. And then in his most recent game against Pacific, 32 minutes, 29 points on 12 of 15 shooting. This man has been on an absolute heater since the last time Gonzaga and St. Mary's played. He is carrying a ton of momentum. If he comes in and plays the way that he's capable of playing, his way of attacking the basket, getting to the rim, Gonzaga doesn't have a ton of rim protection. If he can do that, take away some of Gonzaga's defense, force them to pay attention to him, let Aiden Mahaney go off on the other end, it could be a really, really tough night in Spokane for the Zags. 
And we will have to watch things because if Gonzaga wins at home, which seems like the more likely of the two scenarios, we will have a regular season tie. And based on the WCC tiebreakers, that means we will all be watching. We're going to be hitting refresh repeatedly on Sunday morning because when the net rankings refresh, whichever Mm -hmm. of these teams comes out, the higher rated will be the team that gets the one seed in the WCC tournament starting next Thursday. And so uh, that that is to me the most yep. intriguing, but also frustrating, like coin flippy side of all of this. So that is how it's going to play out in the event that Gonzaga wins. Andy Ken Palm has it Zags minus two. Is the spirit of Adam Morrison going to be alive and well, or will we have him pounding his fists on the court in fury? <laughs> I think Gonzaga is going to take this one. I think they're going to take it by more than two, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than, it's certainly less than 10, probably less than five. I think it's going to be a close game all the way throughout. I think uh, Gonzaga jumped out to an early lead last time. I could see that happening again with the crowd, with the energy, the enthusiasm. But one of the things we know about Randy Bennett's teams is they, they rarely get blown out. And there's a reason for that because of their pace, because of their style, because of their poise, Uh, because of how well coached they are. I think this team is going to hang around. I don't think they're going to let Gonzaga put them away entirely. And I think we're going to see a second half comeback. I don't know if it'll go get all the way to the point that it did last time, but I think that this is a game that uh, that's probably going to end up uh, scaring the heck out of a lot of Gonzaga fans, as I think many people are expecting it to. And to that point, I think it will be incumbent upon Gonzaga to find the right shots. Don't let that defense dictate the flow offensively for Mark Few's club. And so if they're able to do that, get the ball uh, where it needs to be, give up good shots in favor Mm -hmm. of better shots. Gonzaga will win this game to, you know, that two point margin. I think it'll be a close game, but they cover two points, I think. And so we'll see that now. Elsewhere, a little bit earlier in the night for all the Mm -hmm. Eastern time folks who are going to be yawning by the time Gonzaga and St. Mary's tips off. We've got 17 Indiana at number five, Purdue, 730 Eastern time on Fox. Andy, Purdue is favored by eight in this Mm -hmm. game. That line seems wildly big to me. Am I off Mm -hmm. on that or what do you think? I think they're getting a little bit of home cooking for being at home in this one. Uh, Indiana won at five, one by five in Bloomington the last time these two teams played. Uh, Indiana did just suffer a, a pretty tough loss to Michigan State. I think they lost by 15 in that game at home or at home for Michigan State in East Lansing. Obviously, there was a little bit more to that game in terms of some emotion for the Michigan State crowd after the, the mass shooting that happened on campus. Spoke with Matt Sheehan, the host of Locked on Spartans, about that on Thursday's episode, but Indiana is going to be looking to, to complete the sweep here. This is a really impactful game for them. I, I like the matchup between these two teams because I think you can see some similarities. Both have a really, really dominant low post presence in Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana. Of course, Zach Eady, the national player of the year, front runner for Purdue. They both have young, inexperienced backcourts. Uh, Purdue's backcourt was kind of not expected to be super elite this year and they have turned out to be better than advertised Matt Painter once again continuing to get prospects who weren't as highly regarded as they end up performing in college he's very very good at that it's a reason he often shows up on coach of the year rankings during the season Uh, Indiana of course Jalen Hood Shafino has been a a huge part of what they've done and and they kind of go as he goes it seems in a lot of ways when he has really really good games uh, and takes over uses his size his physicality as a guard his playmaking ability uh, the Hoosiers seem at times unbeatable when he's playing the way that he can play. But we've also seen games where he has three points on misses 10 or 11 shots in the same game and and can kind of be, I don't want to say unplayable, but can be in a position where 
Indiana needs needs him to step up, and he's just unable to do so. And, and that's kind of the 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 struggles of of playing freshman guards a lot because freshman guards, especially towards the end of the year, you you see this a lot. This is not uncommon for them to kind of have more inconsistent performances down the stretch because it's a long season and you know you're not used to playing 35 games in a year and and going to Purdue in late February when you've been you know going as hard as you possibly can since November that's not an easy task at all so I think this is going to be a fascinating matchup I think uh, Edie and Trace Jackson Davis I don't want to say they cancel each other out but they're both no. really really dominant low post players uh, but it'll kind of come down in my mind at least to how some of those younger guards can respond in what's going to be the the biggest regular season game that any of them have ever played. That is great insight, Andy. The, it's all about which of these young backcourts can hold up better. As as you'll recall, as we've talked about before on the show, it that was a big part of why Indiana won the first game in Assembly Hall is because mm-hmm. uh, Purdue had those multiple turnovers down the stretch in the final two minutes, many of which weren't even uh, Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, the, the freshman mm-hmm. backcourt. It was Zach Eady himself, and so – if Purdue hangs onto the ball better, and honestly, mm-hmm. it might not even matter down the stretch because yeah. they might have already developed such a lead. But I, I do think I, I will go right with you. And I, I think it is fair to say that in in many ways, Edie and excuse me, Trace Jackson Davis will cancel each other out. And then that that brings me to look at an X factor. Like if if there's anything outside of those young backcourts, is mm-hmm. there like a, a wild card that comes out of it? Somebody like Caleb Fursh for yeah. Purdue or Race Thompson for Indiana that that really puts an imprint on the game. So whew, eight points, Andy. Big, mm-hmm. big stretch there. Is that mm-hmm. is that is that a, a too big spread for Purdue or can they cover that? I think it's going to be within five points. I think this game is going to be within five points. And I I think it it could honestly go either way. I'm going to lean Purdue. They're at home. They're going to want to split this series here. I I think they're probably going to win it, but I have, and it's hard because the you could be up by four in the last minute or in the last 90 seconds and end up winning by nine because of free throws. And that's what makes these kind of things so complicated. So could I see it being an eight-point game? Yeah, I absolutely could. Do I think that it's going to be like a 10 or 15 or 18-point win for Purdue? Absolutely not. I think this game's going to come down to it. I think it's going to be 38 minutes of competitive basketball. There's a chance that it that it changes after that. But uh, I would probably stay within that range and think Purdue wins by less than eight. But it's going to be, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a really fun one. Game flow will certainly dictate that yeah. final spread, uh, but I would be with you all things equal that it will be Purdue to win right uh, outright, but Indiana to cover the mm-hmm. spread. Just a couple. We're going to get bubbly here in just yes. a second, but before we do, just a quickle, uh, quickle. That's a fun new word that we just made up. Let that forever be in our lexicon. <laughs> a few quick other non-bubbly games mm-hmm. on uh, coming up this weekend, Arkansas at Alabama, 2 p.m. on Saturday on ESPN2. How will Brandon Miller follow up that historic uh, performance for himself Mm -hmm. in his first game after all the new information came Mm -hmm. out earlier in the week? We've got Auburn at Kentucky 4 on CBS. This is a very interesting game to me. Kentucky's been playing much better. Auburn, not as much. Big opportunity for the Tigers to go get a win. Creighton at Villanova, noon on Fox on Saturday. Creighton missed a massive opportunity midweek to beat Marquette, keep themselves in the Big East regular season conversation as far as the championship goes, uh, but didn't weren't able to get the victory. And so looking yeah. to follow up at Villanova, who's got Justin Moore back and playing 
better. Texas A&M at Mississippi State, 3.30 on SEC Network. Uh, neither of these teams you look at as sexy names, but mm-hmm. they are both making an impact in the SEC. Texas A&M should be right behind Alabama's second place in the conference when the regular season ends. And in another important Big Ten game, Northwestern at Maryland. This one's on Sunday noon on the Big Ten Network. Northwestern, as we talked about, lost that 19-point uh, lead they had over Illinois on Thursday evening, costing themselves an opportunity probably to have any hope of a Big Ten regular season championship, but they still are very much alive for getting the second seed. Well, Andy, we do want to get super bubbly, just dropping all those bubbles in the bathtub and talk about some bubble games coming up this weekend. And we'll do that in just a second. Okay, Andy, some bubble talk for the weekend as we are just two weeks away from Selection Sunday. In fact, we already have five conferences with a regular season champ. I'll just run through them alphabetically. America East, Vermont, the Catamounts, love it, congrats. Big South, UNC, Asheville. Ohio Valley is Moorhead State, Patriot League is Colgate, and Summit League, Oral Roberts. One more from Max Asmus. Hopefully we can get him back into the tournament and let that little dude go off. So uh, for the listeners, for the watchers, we will be using Joe Lenardi's Bracketology for ours just to give it a, a helpful framework. Um, as always, Andy, we know that the bubble is weak. That's what happens when you let 68 teams into this thing. Please do not let more in. I think <laughs> the key to all of this bubble talk for all of these teams is to win games. Mm-hmm. If you win games, you don't have to keep your eye on the bubble because you just move up in. And why is that? Because all the rest of these teams are going to keep taking L's. Mm-hmm. That's why they're on the bubble is because winning games is hard for mm-hmm. these teams. That's why they're in this position to start mm-hmm. with. So. You win, you put yourself in a good spot to keep uh, your your hold in the bracket. In terms of terminology, because people always like my father-in-law asked me uh, this about this last night. What does it mean when you're a last four? And he's a Texas Tech guy. That's why he's asking about it. So last four buys, that means that you are safely in the bracket. You don't have to go to Dayton to the play in. Well, I shouldn't say safely, but you are in it right. as of the current time. Last four in, that means you are one of the four at-large teams that will be shipped off to Dayton, which, by the way, Dayton should be all at-large teams. I'm not getting on that soapbox right now, but automatic qualifiers should all be automatically in the tournament. Anyway, and then first four out means that you are not in the NCAA tournament, either safely in the bracket or being shipped off to Dayton. The, mm-hmm. Typically, those four teams are your one seeds in the NIT. So that's the three kind of categorizations we have of mm-hmm. the bubble teams. Andy, lots of games coming up featuring bubble teams this weekend. Where do you want to start? I'll start with Penn State. Penn State playing Rutgers on Sunday. Currently, they are one of the top teams on the first four out. They are kind of right in that conversation. Again, not going to get into an entire soapbox about the kind of teams that are on the bubble right now, but Penn State is less than 500 in the Big Ten. Big Ten, a solid basketball conference top to bottom, but feel like you should try to be above 500 in that conference in order to get in, but that's probably where Penn State's going to need to be. They got Rutgers on Sunday. They got They're on the road at Northwestern next Wednesday. They got Maryland next Sunday. They need two of those three. There's a chance they need all three of them. 
If they can get two of them, I think they're in an okay spot. Uh, they've won three straight. They won at Ohio State. That was a really big win for that team. But uh, this Penn State team is in a really, really precarious position right now. I think they have a chance to pull off, uh, you know, to get themselves at or above 500 in the Big Ten. That might be enough, depending on what kind of performance they put together in the Big Ten Conference Tournament. Uh, but this team, as we're talking about, they're right on that bubble. They need to win, uh, again, at least two of these games, probably all three of them, if they want to safely find themselves in the field of 68. I cannot believe I'm going to say this team in bubble talk, but the Texas Tech Red Raiders, mm-hmm. who started out Big 12 play 0 and 8, what? what on earth are now in the bubble conversation. They are currently at the top of the next four out. They've won four straight and six of their last eight. They're up to uh, five and 10 overall in big 12 play. They have three games left. They host TCU on Saturday. They're at Kansas midweek, and then they host Oklahoma state to end the regular season. As you would expect in the big 12, two of those three games Mm -hmm. are quad one opportunities. And the Oklahoma state game is a quad two opportunity. Texas Tech could legitimately finish Big 12 play 8 and 10. Mm-hmm. Are they going to? Probably not, because going right. to Kansas is a lot to ask. Yeah. But as good as the Big 12 is, would 7 and 11 be enough, depending on what they do mm-hmm. in Big 12 tournament? I'm not sure. We're going to find out. But the fact that Texas Tech has put themselves in this position is awesome. Good job, Mark. Uh, uh, excuse me, Mark Adams mm-hmm. and crew. Well, speaking of teams that we're surprised to see on the bubble, uh, for a different reason here, uh, Tar Heels <laughs> of North Carolina, preseason number one. Uh, they have fallen to the point where they are on the bubble, in part because they do not have any quad one wins. They had a couple wins earlier in the season that were quad one at the time, have not uh, lasted as quad one teams since then. They're taking on Virginia. This is a huge game for Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels. Massive game here. You need this one. They won at North, or excuse me, North Dakota. They won at Notre Dame. That's what ND stands for. (laughs) They won at Notre Dame on Wednesday. That's a nice win for them. Not a huge win necessarily, but would have been a devastating loss. Quad Uh, three. Yeah, would have been a quad three loss. You cannot handle that right now. Again, third in the first four out right now for the Tar Heels. Uh, Virginia's been struggling a little bit lately. They lost at Boston College. That was a, a pretty a huge win for the Eagles. A tough loss for Tony Bennett's squad. Uh, barely beat North uh, Notre. I'm going to do it again. Barely beat Notre Dame and barely beat Louisville as well. So uh, Virginia's a little bit vulnerable right now. Perhaps the Tar Heels can come in. Uh, maybe the backcourt, Caleb Love, R.J. Davis can can f- find a way to work together on the basketball court, uh, get Armando Baycott involved and pull off a really big victory and put themselves back into the field in a more comfortable position. We've got a Big Ten game between two bubble teams, Michigan and Wisconsin. Can't believe that we're similar to Texas Tech. Can't believe we're talking about Michigan in the bubble conversation, but we are. They won at Ohio State on Thursday, or excuse me, at Rutgers on Thursday. And uh, currently, Michigan has put themselves third in Lunardi's next four out. So they, they're pretty far off uh, being in the tournament right now, but they've got enough left in the Big Ten to be able to do it. And um, they play, they host Wisconsin there in Ann Arbor on, sat- or, uh, on Saturday, excuse me. And mm-hmm. Wisconsin themselves, they are third in the last four in. So a win for them on the road in Ann Arbor would hopefully do great to solidify their standing. Mm-hmm and we maybe move them out of having to go to Dayton. So they're looking to do that. By the way, I uh, saw a great video of Coach Jim Harbaugh helping a policeman move a dead tree off the yeah. road during all the ice going on in Michigan. Cool stuff to see. I know that's football, but always 
fun to see interesting, important game in the Big Ten there, Michigan versus Wisconsin. Yeah, that's one of the biggest bubble games that you're going to see this weekend for folks who like to watch those kinds of contests. Clemson at NC State is another big one. Clemson right now second in the next four out. I have kind of fallen apart a little bit lately after being briefly uh, in first place in the ACC. They have now just won two of their last six games. Uh, They got NC State on the road on Saturday. Like we said, they also got Virginia on the road on Tuesday. Really tough couple of matchups for the Tigers. Uh, If they can win even one of those, it'll help them quite a bit. But if they lose both of them, which I'm suspecting right now without having seen the lines (laughs) that they are not favored in either of those matchups, if they lose both of them, I think that their bubble hopes will have, for lack of a better word, popped. Mm. Well, a couple others. We'll just run you through really quick. Kansas State at Oklahoma State. The Cowboys are the first last four in team right now. Big time opportunity with Kansas State coming to Stillwater. USC at Utah. USC is last four in. Utah's off the bubble consideration. Had an opportunity against UCLA on Thursday and just couldn't do it. USC Mm -hmm. is at home versus Arizona and Arizona State to close out. And then San Diego State at New Mexico. The Aztecs are playing incredible basketball right now. New Mexico, a little less so. They're in the next four out right now, but Mm -hmm. they are 14 and three at home. And then they also have Fresno State and at Colorado State to close out. Well, we're going to be back on Monday, folks. We're going to call it a day here. So many more games we could have previewed. So many fantastic contests coming out this weekend. I am going to be locked on the couch all weekend long watching some fantastic basketball. We'll be back with you to recap the weekend on Monday to talk about our top fives, to talk, of course, about the six-pack. We're going to continue to do more bubble coverage for the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to Selection Sunday. Andy, I don't want you on the couch for these bubble games. I need you in a bubble bath. (laughs) Drink in hand, getting bubbly. That's There you go. I think I can handle that. I'll I'll move the TV in there. I think we can can do that. My wife will be fine with that. I need a camera. Let's go. All right. We're going to come back. Uh, Leave us a review on iTunes. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Leave us comments, whatever it may be. Love interacting with all of you as we get closer and closer to March Madness. Uh, For now, 